Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports people navigating SCI stigma, sexual health communication in general. I am here today with Bree. Bree, how old are you? I am 31. All right. And uh, something interesting about you is that you two are a former athlete and you and I have uh we've had like an ongoing rapport with one another um and we've speak about having been former athletes and uh not necessarily 100% of the time how that relates to herpes but how that relates to our identities and one of the things that I speak to on this podcast often is this aspect of identity validation and the importance of being able to validate who we think we are uh, or who we know ourselves to be in a variety of ways, really. And we talked about like going from being an athlete to not being an athlete and like how, what, I, I can't remember exactly that conversation went, but um speaking to that and like how we manage stressful events and life in itself at this point i find that there are some very useful nuggets there in being able to connect the dots for people who have herpes also you have herpes right yes okay so speaking to that how long ago were you diagnosed i was diagnosed in right as the pandemic like hit full swing. So in March, 2020. So uh, it was a fun time because I remember I had to take some time off of work because it was not the greatest first uh, outbreak. And the worst part is the coworkers coming back to me like, do you think it was COVID? And I was just like, definitely wasn't COVID, but whatever, whatever you want, you want to call it for right now, because I'm not going to open up to my colleagues on that. But, um, but yeah, so March, 2020. So Gosh, it's been just about, yeah, two years. Oh, wow. And what were the symptoms that you had for your uh, first outbreak? You said that this was not the best first outbreak. (laughs) No. So I think what made it worse is that I originally went to urgent care because it was over the weekend. I realized like something is not right, but it wasn't looking like a, obviously you Google and you're like looking at what a like HSV2 genital outbreak looks like. And for me, it did not look like that. And then I went to urgent care and obviously they didn't do like all the testing or anything, but the guy just came in, looked, did like some kind of swab. And it was just like, oh yeah, it's definitely from you having a like like a razor burn mixed in with like a bacterial infection. And I was just like, are you sure? Because at the time I was seeing someone who had HSV2 and you're like, no, 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 for, for sure. Like, this is just like, just take this like antibacterial, you're going to like not, what is it? Antibiotic and it should heal up. There's, I don't see this as being herpes at all. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got a nice little false sense of uh, security with that. Luckily, I had a OBGYN appointment about like two weeks later, but obviously it just got worse from there and the antibiotics didn't really do much. And then I went to my OBGYN and that's when they did the swab 
and pretty much, yeah, determined that I did have HSV and then got the right antivirals medication. So I think that's what kind of caused my first outbreak to be even a little bit rougher because I got started on medication that was not meant to help with the actual herpes outbreak. That's what I was going to ask too. Antibiotics are for bacteria and antivirals are for viruses. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I And again, I'm not a doctor. I'll say that <laughs> plenty of times throughout the course of this podcast, uh, but um, that was just something that popped up into my mind. So your symptoms were significantly worse because for so long you were not only not treating it, but you were treating something that just wasn't there. Like, I can't believe your doctor was like, well, it was oh, the urgent care. Oh, okay. I can't believe the <laughs> urgent care practitioner was just, and like, I grilled him. I wasn't like, I'm like, like, I, I know the situation I'm in. Like, like I know this is a possibility. And well, the way I presented it pretty much looked like a razor bird. Like it looked like I just had a, like a, yeah, something was going on, but it wasn't like clusters of blisters or anything that just looked like it was just very irritated so either it was like very at the start or i don't know like Mm -hmm. but he was like determined like this is definitely not herpes so i was like cool which then (laughs) that's a fun uh emotional roller coaster then to go two weeks later and my obgyn i've known since i was like first started going ever was just like yeah i definitely think it is (laughs) let's talk about even that like in healthcare. I don't know that any healthcare professionals should be speaking in definitives until they get lab results back. For him to have said this is definitely not herpes makes me think of uh, someone that I've been providing support to lately Mm -hmm. who is really struggling with getting definitive answers from any of her healthcare team, basically. She has like a team of people that she's seeking answers from. And she's also suicidal, like she's experienced suicide ideation. uh, And everyone went from, oh, it might be herpes to now like, oh, it's definitely not herpes. You don't have to worry about that. And while I get that it's, you know, essentially better to tell a person who's ready to kill themselves if they have herpes to be like, oh, no, it's definitely not herpes. Don't kill yourself. On the other hand, it's like, that's not a real answer. That's not the reality. And you can't say that. So uh, part of what we're doing as Something Positive for Positive People is working to begin uh, empowering healthcare professionals with anti-stigmatizing approaches to healthcare. And what I mean by that is like we see stigma as prevalent as, as it is and it shows up in different ways and this being one of them where someone in the healthcare field tells you it's definitely not herpes as if like, oh no, I don't want to deal with those emotions that you're going to have if this is herpes, so let yeah. me get you up out of here, right? So what we need are providers who are and can be equipped with tools, resources, and education to comfortably speak to something as stigmatizing as herpes, as STIs, as sex in general, and be able to deliver a 
reasonable quality of care that is identity affirming, that is sex positive, that is anti-stigmatizing, that is also trauma informed and harm reductive because how much harm is being done in your being dismissed in that moment only for you to go on two more weeks, have symptoms, have uh, an outbreak, have this intense pain that's not getting any better. And also you're treating something that doesn't exist. It was almost like he was just dismissing it in order to kill time to not have to deal with it. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I flip flop. I don't think they're trying to do it like in any malicious intent, but I understand like if you, from looking at what my initial outbreak looked like, it was not like textbook, like simple, like it's, this is obviously like a cluster of blisters and yeah, it's probably herpes. Like it didn't look like that. Um, not saying I'm trying to give a person who is actually a doctor an out because they probably should know better or be willing to test, especially after I said, yeah, hey, my partner has HSV too. Um, but the other side of me always thinks, like you just mentioned before, the guy was just like, I picture the guy just being like, yeah, just tell her she doesn't, it's not that. Just like get her out of the office. I don't want to deal with her having a meltdown yeah. in the office. Right. <laughs> Which I thought I went with a pretty cool head, but yeah, I, I don't know what the intentions was, but yeah, that's what, so my first outbreak I felt like went on a lot longer than it should have. And that's why it was just really painful in the beginning. And then of course the pandemics hit, so getting into the doctor's appointment, wearing a mask, everyone's very stressed out. And then getting this new diagnosis was just a fun time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, <clears throat> so you mentioned that your partner had herpes already and that you knew that this might be herpes. Uh, can you speak a little more to that? So yeah, this one was a bit interesting and I know I've brought it up in sport groups. I am seeking, uh, online therapy and it kind of stumps people on this and this is what I've been trying to work through because it really affected my trust issues. I had the oddity of I hear a lot of people mention how like people like they usually get it without knowing who gave it to them or the person didn't disclose or whatever it might be which is awful in that sense but my partner actually disclosed to me that he did have HSV2 and then after the the first time we were intimate, that's when I, like a week and a half later, boom, showing symptoms and having all this. Fast forward a couple months later, and I just thought, I was like, well, it was just bad luck. <laughs> like, I mean, we knew it was a risk. Like, you're, it's always some kind of risk, no matter how many times you have sex, whether it's the first time or the 212th time, depending on what you're doing on your own. But... In his case, uh, I realized it was not a healthy relationship a little bit too late. And then months into the relationship, he told me like, oh, yeah. And I was after some kind of probably just silly argument he brought up. We mentioned that he was having an outbreak the first time we had sex together. So it was the weird thing of, yeah, I got a disclosure, but it meant nothing because he wasn't taking like I was not going to ask him to take antivirals because that's his body, his choice on that. But <laughs> to take it a step further, I'm laughing because this is the only way I can deal with <laughs> that kind of like stressful situation. But for him to take it a step further, it was like I, I just couldn't com- contemplate why I already said yes. I like I really, really like you. I pretty much probably was in love at that point, too. 
Like, I want to, I don't care. Like, <laughs> like, I love you for you. This comes with it. Cool. We'll figure it out. So for him to go then and then just be like, I'm having a brow break. Well, I might as well have sex with her for the first time. Like, it just really, it was all a part of his mental manipulation and game. But that is something now I'm trying to come to terms with because it's the, obviously people who don't get disclosed to or they don't know who gave it to them. You have to like overcome the trust and the kind of like side of it, especially when you start new relationships and going out there. But for me, I was just like, I got the disclosure and my trust was still like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Broken? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, like it was just like, well, I guess disclosures mean nothing or I, but the good news is I haven't heard this. I don't know if maybe some other folks have experienced this. I'm so sorry if you have, but it doesn't seem like it's that common, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was a very interesting um, process of coming to terms with I think that's what also made it a little bit difficult because when I first got it, it was still very hard, but I was kind of like, I knew I accepted the risk of it and like, it is what it is. And I love him. And then after him saying that months into the relationship and being so mentally already warped, I didn't even blame him. I was just like, okay. Like, <laughs> I was like, and now when I look back and I was just like, that was not okay. <laughs> like what else is going on there? And then I feel like that's what made, um, when the relationship did end, which it needed to, it just felt like I was reliving my initial outbreak again because it was just like all of a sudden it just dawned on me like the trust that was broken with that and how like I didn't, he didn't even give me a chance to potentially not. It was like you had a choice, but you didn't really have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there are many things that I want to go into in regards to this. So I want to ask you, do you feel like you're in a healthy headspace of being able to talk about this experience and possibly go into more details about the relationship? Yeah, no, thank you for checking with me. But if it's especially if it's going to help someone else, I definitely want to talk about it because I know I stayed a lot longer than I should have because of all of this mess. Okay, hopefully we can get to the athletic stuff. Yes, because <laughs> that, that was, applies. That was, it's, it's so good, like the <laughs> conversations that we've had around that. Um, but again, this is, you know, this here is going to be something that has layers to unpack. And I want to start with the disclosure. So it's like, why disclose and then like take the optimal risk of exposing a partner to herpes right that is something that i would sounds like a psychopath (laughs) (laughs) to me that only makes sense if i'm trying to trap you like that's like the equivalent of getting you pregnant knowing that you're not going to get an abortion and we're going to be connected to each other for the rest of our lives you know like obviously there's differences between herpes and a child but but it's the same thing of trying to lock down that person because a lot of people do stay in relationships a heck of a lot longer because of the herpes diagnosis because you don't want to attempt to meet someone new because of the fear of like you've mentioned in previous podcasts rejection or are they like for me personally it was it was the fear of like after being in that type of relationship and like 
my fear is now going to another relationship and coming across that same kind of psychopath or whatever variation of terms you want to use. And now they have something else they can hold against me, which is now my herpes diagnosis. So like, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you said yes. That's the weird thing. You know, like I was you, fully on board. <laughs> yeah, you, you were all for it. They, he disclosed and you were he like, He disclosed okay. awfully too. I would like to point that out. Oh, like, how did that go? Like, pretty much like, uh, like it, w- it was, I remember we were just like laying on the bed and then he's just like doing this like heavy breathing and I'm just like, are you okay? Like, he's like, I need to tell you something. And like, I'm not even thinking about STIs and CDs. I'm like, please tell me you're not married. Please tell me you're not. <laughs> like, by the way, I got a family of the infected. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not making assumptions of that but you know you that's what i'm thinking about when someone's having that that kind of like scared look in their eye i'm just like oh dear god right <laughs> like am i is someone's gonna come after me <laughs> yeah. and um, then you just mentions like he just he just blurts it out and just says like i have hsv2 i don't even think he called it herpes he just said hsv2 and yeah like that was it and just like stared at me i was like okay cool and he's like so uh yeah you might want to do some research and yeah so you can make some kind of decision about how we want to move forward i was just like cool and like i literally had to think for a second because like i know what herpes is but when you say like the hsv one or two all of a sudden also what you've mentioned in your podcast i'm like wait what what is that acronym's cool um (laughs) let me think um and but that was it and i was like all right and like I'm straight up cuddling with him at this time, like I'm, and I didn't like lurch off or like I'm just like, all right, cool, don't worry, I'll I will do my research. I'll come with questions. Yeah. Um, the way that you responded had had anyone ever disclosed having herpes to you before? No, I feel like a star student. <laughs> right. But granted, that doesn't mean someone maybe did not know they had it at mm-hmm. that time or whatnot. I know I definitely could have I practice safer sex but i definitely could be been safer but this is like the first time where yeah this is the first time someone actually like disclosed okay and that's what made me even more attracted to him actually because i was just like all right cool like i like i didn't care about like how poorly he disclosed it was more like thank you for valuing me and letting thank me know thank you for the illusion of this choice <laughs> well in that moment <laughs> it was very endearing to me because i was just like that would probably was really hard for him and obviously he cares about me you know <laughs> you sharing this kind of it makes me think about something that i say pretty consistently like once we give people the choice like the rest is on them and now I'm thinking, you know, if I'm telling people that, uh, all right, you told them you have herpes and if they choose to move forward, that's the decision. Like you can't make any other choice for them. But I also feel like, you know, when the risk is high and this is probably just a one off, I can't imagine wanting to have sex with an outbreak because that's uncomfortable. So part of me is yeah. hoping I am hoping that he just said that to hurt you. 
and that that wasn't actually the case that he was having an outbreak so like while we, we know that that could be either end of the spectrum like let's just throw that out there that maybe because you mentioned uh this became an abusive relationship yep so i can see that having just been thrown out there as a complete mind fuck especially being a scorpio man and recognizing like <laughs> how you know m- how you may want to really how you can hurt somebody if you want to have an impact on them so just want to throw that out there for no it's people. a very good point um now <clears throat> and i said the illusion of choice oh my goodness um <laughs> so you are now this did this relationship begin when the pandemic started? Yeah, Just for like, clarity. Pretty much, I get it with you so can, many new you things. Me, you can tell, say as much as you want to. You I'm can be fine. as vague as you need to. Um, it kind of started right at the start of twenty twenty. This relationship, and that was the other thing. Like, it wasn't like a speed into anything intimate. Like, it was a lot of like conversations first, and it built into like being more intimate. But we didn't have any sex and until he truly disclosed which once again was a like green flag like this is cool like it wasn't like an after the act or like right when we're about to like get into it it was kind of that part was good but um but yeah so literally we got into a relationship like I think it was actually the first time when we were intimate with each other because like he disclosed. I was just like, I still want to jump your bones. I really like you. This is great. And yeah, pretty much the relationship started with me having my initial outbreak. <laughs> but and it, the relationship still went on for like a year and a half, almost two years after that. So it wasn't like I got my first diagnosis. I was like, screw you. I'm like out. I'm like, no, this is just you accepted this fully as just part of the relationship. It didn't make you have any resentment and you didn't throw this up in his face at all. You continued the relationship. You had the symptoms. You took the medication and then moved forward in the relationship. Can you give me some insight as to what a relationship looks like after... Someone discloses to you, you agree to move forward, and then, bam, you receive a herpes diagnosis. Like, was there any sense of, oh, I got to make this work and stay with you now? (laughs) So, I think, uh, I probably don't have the best example of this. It's it's your experience. I just want real. I don't don't care about (laughs) it being right. I want it to be real. But, um, so, yeah, the diagnosis happened, and he was like, he looked concerned and everything. Like now, I'm I've, obviously I'm trying to take off the rose-colored glasses when I like look back at these experiences. Um, but during yeah the initial diagnosis, which kind of sucked because like he was traveling at the moment, so like I was on my own dealing with it. And being my personality, like I did not my me. I'm like having one of the worst outbreaks in pain by myself with my little dog, <laughs> and all I can think about is like. I don't want to make him feel bad because like in my head, I'm just like, this was just such a fluke incident. Of course it happened on the friggin' first time. Like what the heck is that? Like, obviously like, cause like in my head, I'm not thinking he's doing anything intentional or malicious. Like, and I think like I mentioned before with you, like once again, I'm not going to tell someone 
to take antivirals, do stuff with their bodies, or like, I'm not going to be like, can I check your stuff before we proceed? Like, no, I'm going to treat you like the adult you are. Mm -hmm. And like, we built this relationship of trust and let's proceed. So, so yeah, like in the beginning, I was more focused on trying not to make him like freak out or feel bad about like, because it, it just sucks all around if you get it the first time. <laughs> like, <laughs> But, um, and then the hardest part about the relationship moving forward was I don't think he came to a good place with it for himself. So suddenly it felt like I was just like, because something that made me feel a little bit better, I was like, you know what? Well, I'm going to be with him, like, and we can proceed together. Like we can, maybe we can go to support groups together. Or if it's not that, maybe like we can talk about best practices or like what bombs to use or like antivirals versus, uh, is it lysine? Yeah. Lysine or what other options? Like I'm not going to be doing this alone, but it turned out to be the complete opposite of like, cause I still had some like moments. Cause like, I don't know, my experience, like, I wasn't mad about it, like, I accepted it, but still, like, is very jarring, um, especially, like, with maybe ways you grew up, there's still a stigma around it, like, and I know I was, like, having a little bit difficulties with it, and the fact, like, my symptoms went on for, like, a month plus, and I was just miserable, mm-hmm. but um, I think the hardest part was that Anytime I try to reach out for him for support, not in the sense of like expecting him to be like a therapist or a doctor, but just being like expecting your significant other to support has a shared experience to be there. Do you know how long he had it? I don't. Okay. But I didn't once again want to pry into, hey, how long have you had it? Who gave it to you? Do you know who gave yeah. it to you? Like it's. And that's another thing to speak to as well because. I'm someone who doesn't know who gave me herpes. I don't know where I got it from. And I even hate using that phrase, do you know who gave you herpes? Like, it's a matter of, you know, there's a better way of phrasing it in the sense it's like, what partner did you have that knew their status or like who disclosed you? I don't know. There's something there, but... The response to not knowing where it came from versus knowing where it came from, I guess my question is, like, how, what's the difference to you? How do you think you would have reacted had you had herpes and not known where it came from versus knowing where it came from? And I I say that because, or I ask this because... In my response, it was, damn, I don't have a person to blame for this unfortunate thing. I just have myself to look at. And in your case, there didn't appear to be any blame because you wanted a relationship with this person. You liked this person and you moved forward with them. And it was a non-issue until things became issues, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think I wouldn't. Maybe it's because I'm very empathetic, but like who gave it to you is not my concern. Like it, that, that it happened and that's it. Like, so how are we going to, like you said, proceed forward with this relationship? Like, like, I don't know. It seems very, <laughs> I don't want to put childish to be like, who gave this to you? It's like someone asking who was your first kiss? And it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Why does it matter at this point? Mm-hmm. 
Like, how is this going to affect us now? Like, it happened <laughs> already. <Right. laughs> um, and the the see, reaching out for support from a place that you should be able to get support from. You should be able to have a supportive partner. And mind you, the pandemic started. So this relationship was also a pandemic relationship. Oh, yeah. And I very much believe that there are going to be significant studies about how relationships have been in the pandemic that started in the pandemic that ended in the pandemic um and how that may have played a role in things so are you able to speak to that at all because there was lockdown Mm -hmm. there was uh there, there were all of these things precautions covid talk about social distancing masks um if you had covid these protocols so i guess like how did entering this relationship during the pandemic and getting herpes all (laughs) kind of play a role in what the relationship looked like? Um, I think it just resulted in being very isolated. So he lived in a different state. And since I can work remote, um, I was willing to move, like not move, like I still had my place, but I was willing to like spend a lot of time during COVID at his place because his line of work, he needed to physically be in the area for like periods of time. So I was just, I am very incompetating. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, you, it sounded like you said, I'm very incompetating. No, no, a- accommodating. accommodating. All right. I, I want you to have people thinking you were incompetent. No, okay. no, 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 no. That, I fully was aware of the decision I was making, <laughs> but it put me like 2000 miles away from family and friends. But, um, at that 2, time, 2000 miles, it was a distance. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't like a, I'm just going to head home for the weekend <laughs> type yeah. of deal. But once again, like I wanted, I really liked him. I wanted to work. And once again, the ability to work remote, like helped out a lot with that. And then, yeah, it was hard because with COVID, it wasn't as simple as just like quick flights or obviously even road trips would have been rough, but like with all the regulations and shutdowns, like it was just either like, all right, so either we're going to kind of like start living together or we're not going to see each other maybe for like a couple months. Um, and especially after the, the herpes diagnosis, I mean, it sounds probably bad by saying this, but like, it was just like, I don't want to be alone. <laughs> like, and especially with someone who at least has had it and like, can, like you said, be that support. Um, but the problem with, I think that caused... And, like, he kind of convinced me of this. And so the problem is I realized it pretty much isolated me from support, family, friends. Mm, Like, I didn't know anyone in the area. Um, And then when it came to even, like, herpes support groups, like, obviously everything had to shift. I mean, I feel like it was already probably pretty virtual. I can't really speak to it since previous, before 2020. Um, But, I don't know, there was just a big shift in it and... It was hard because the only support I had then was him. And when I would reach out to him, when I was like feeling upset, I think in my nice side of my brain, <laughs> I say uh, he was obviously still dealing with his own demons with getting herpes. I don't know his I didn't know his background story. Obviously, I'm not one to pry. So real quick, how yes. me? Uh I'm trying to think of a way to say it without giving <laughs> <laughs> like the it, it was it a dating app mutual friends it was 
I don't know if I can say it without it. Like, no, it was, a, it was technically he saw me on a dating app, but then he like, uh, friend request, like, uh, slid into like my DMs on Instagram. Got it. Okay. So technically he saw me on one of the dating apps, but he then, but obviously I was not being active as I was on the dating app. So okay. he went to my Instagram, not into my Instagram, but okay. All right. I was just curious. <laughs> but yeah, third dating app. And it, and it's like, a, I, should I say the dating app? No, we, they ain't paying us. <laughs> they ain't paying all right, so one one of the boy. general dating apps. It wasn't like anything. Yeah, because at that time you didn't have herpes, so you wouldn't have been on that. Well, not even herpes. It wasn't like even one that was like uh, more friendly towards, open towards all groups of people and everything. It was one of the very generic dating apps. Does that make sense? What oh, I'm trying to put I out know there? Exactly which one it was. <laughs> I know which one no. it was. No, I, I don't know. Was it, it wasn't. Was it, was it plenty of fish? No. Oh, oh my okay. God. That one's terrifying. I did that one for a hot second, <laughs> but that's uh, a whole uh, different other yeah, story. Yeah, it's, it's all good. Okay. Okay. Back to, back on track. So, um. <laughs> uh, you talked about, you know, basically we're either going to live together or we're not going to see each other for a few months. And so you move in Yep. and I guess where, where's the relationship at? Is there a shift at all? Are things consistent? What happens after you begin to live together? In the beginning, it was definitely more nice and like accommodating, and but then like it's it's the fun game of like, and obviously there might been. I always try to give excuses for people's <laughs> behavior, um, but like between like uh, the stresses of COVID, obviously him having HSV two, and then suddenly I'm having HSV two, and like getting used to my new diagnosis and like breakouts in the beginning and then like yeah li- moving in together is a big step i like people forget about because then you're trying to like mash up your coexisting like and it's not like a bad thing it's just you get used to your own routines and they have theirs and bringing that together it doesn't it doesn't mean a bad thing it's just obviously there's going to be some friction there um so in the beginning I think the problems really started when I would try to reach out for him, like, for some, like, support. Like, because, like, obviously it's getting this diagnosis, whether you are, like, like, obviously, like, I was prepared for it. But at the same time, you're never truly 110% prepared for it when it, like, actually happens. Like, and I'm not saying not to scare people and be like, okay, so I have to date someone who already has it. No, like... I did not take this out on my partner at all. It was more so just like, obviously, it's a shift in your own body. And you're like, okay, so what do we got to do now? <laughs> what are my, what are my triggers? Like, is it, is it this? Is it that? Do I need antivirals? Can I, do I not? Do I just do treatment as needed? It's, it's adjustment with your health. Yeah. If any health diagnosis you get. But um, I remember so plainly that he pretty much... Like, I was a little bit emotional because I, like, I felt very alone and I was just, like, seeking, like, comfort. And I remember he just shut me down so quickly, like, deadpan face and was just, like, uh, either you need to, like, he's, like, there's support groups online. You can Google. And, like, or, like, he just, like, shut down the conversation completely. Like, just, like, 
you need to get over the stigma and you need to like if they if you have a problem go for support groups and says the person who <laughs> discloses like oh, I, have herpes. I, have I know discloses to me gives it yeah. to me and then it's just like uh you need to get over this like whatever you're dealing with or find support online i was just like I was kind of hoping I would get support out of my significant other a little bit. Like, <laughs> so let's speak to that because now we're talking about the expectations of emotional availability, emotional labor, right? So you may not have known that this person was not necessarily the most emotionally intelligent, aware, which typically a lot of cisgendered heterosexual men are not very capable in the emotional department, right? Mm -hmm. So you needing support and seeking it from your significant other should have been like a default thing. Like it's clear we're together, we're both experiencing this and you have two completely different reactions to it. I speak to how typically men deal with it in an avoidant way. Women typically deal with it in an anxious way of like, all right, I need to be prepared. And that's like that is essentially what supported the reasoning behind starting this podcast was a woman that I met um, on the dating site for people with herpes. And uh, she had a boyfriend, they were monogamous, and she and I had connected because she wanted to be prepared for when her significant other had a diagnosis. She had tested positive with no symptoms and she was worried about giving it to him. He didn't care. He was like, all right, well, <laughs> if you got it, we got it. But what you, what I'm hearing here is on your end, your partner was avoidant. And on this You got other it end, and you got it. <laughs> like, and, like, that's it. <laughs> right. And on and this origin story here of something positive, she was anxious and her response was like over preparation. And even with her, like she still had suicide ideation despite not having had symptoms, despite being as prepared as possible. Um so it's it's interesting for me to hear the other side of this, which is man avoidant, woman anxious, and this is how it's prepared, and or this is how uh, someone prepares to navigate this thing. Um, where I wanted to go next with this, um, I, I I got caught up in a moment. I was like, oh my god, this thing. Um, <laughs> I want to speak to, yeah, the responsibility. There it is. The emotional availability and the responsibility. To what extent, and this is just like a question for people to ask themselves, what extent are you willing to uh, offer a partner support? Because on one hand, it should be, you know, oh, well, here are some resources that you can look at. And again, with women, I find that women will overprepare a man for what it means to navigate having herpes. Men have typically, you know, had not necessarily the cold response that you got, but it's more of like women know to look up information or where to go for the information. And a man can just be like, all right, hey, I have herpes. And <laughs> then you'll do the investigating. But as far as like once a person gets it, I think, I've spoken to more people who are like, oh, my God, I don't want to be responsible for giving this person herpes. And now I got to stay in a relationship because I don't want to be a jerk for leaving them, even if they didn't want to be with them. Yeah. Right. And in your case, you 
I mean, you like this person. You liked them. You wanted to be with them. And then now here you are. Things get hard. And it's an emotional thing. It's not just about having herpes. Like the undercurrent of you seeking support for herpes was just seeking emotional connection. And this person had shown to you that they were not emotionally available. And emotional availability ought to be top of the list for every relationship. Like that. Definitely. that is something that I am recognizing is super important more important than whether or not someone does or does not have herpes more potentially important than like other compatibilities or incompatibilities because you can speak to these things and work through these things people want emotional connection and if your partner is incapable of giving that to you then you, you're setting yourself up for failure in the relationship. So with that being said, have you had any signs of whether or not this person was emotionally unavailable or unaware, unintelligent prior to getting to this point in the relationship? No, that's a great question. I, <laughs> this is like leading back into like, I'm like, I have no idea what I dated <laughs> because... It leading up to it, it was like um almost a switch hit, uh especially once that I was at his place separated, like it started off a little bit slow, and then all of a sudden I was just like who who is this person I'm with in this house? It was a little bit um, it was a little bit nerve wracking because leading up to it, obviously, like we spent a lot of time like talking first on the phone like it didn't become intimate right away so like we got to like create that foundation it wasn't like him just trying to get into my pants like within like the second date like like we probably communicated and like set up like what are your goals what do you see like your life like going like these are like my like he was like very big into his financial like goals and like setting up generational wealth and doing all this and which Obviously, for like green, green, green flag. I was just like, love this. This is great. But like wanting to communicate and he was like very big in like, like communication. Like, tell me if you like something. Tell me if you don't like something. Da, 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 da. But I mean, like, I'm not trying to say these are not red flags. These are all normal things. The problem is when someone uses these as a way, I think, to kind of like hook you in because all of this was great until... Like I said, like all of a sudden, like the herpes diagnosis and then moving in and being isolated, it almost felt like a two punch hit. And then all of a sudden, like the mask dropped and I was just like, what, where am I? <laughs> like, how did I get here? And who are you? Because it just like it changed. And like then it suddenly became if I said I like something, he would just say, you're just saying that to make me happy. And then if I said, I don't really want to do that, he'd be like, you of course, like, you would get mad because I didn't want to do that. But I was just like, you're upset when I say yes, but you're also upset when I say no. And then I go quiet, and then you get mad at me for being quiet because then I'm not communicating with you. But I'm like, but with communication, like, it, that's a whole different thing besides herpes. Look at these, yeah, look at these projections and, like, someone look. essentially, like, projecting a... Um, the meaning of your behaviors, your responses, 
that don't match up with what they want for your responses to be and for them to be like no actually you're you're saying yes because it's what I like or you're saying no because it's not what I like and these are like signs of a person who hasn't dealt with things on an emotional level and I imagine that you know it's a lot of emotional labor to call someone out on that and challenge them on being that kind of person too so in this relationship like you can't you can't do that like you you just you're not safe to challenge someone's being abusive or being uh hurtful or harmful to you right Mm -hmm. yeah it's just one of the situations from like no matter what i say you're gonna be mad at me in some way or form so whether i do give you my opinion or whether i stay quiet like it's just not gonna work out and like so that but that didn't happen until like maybe the third month in and that's when I was already once again already like just getting over my first major outbreak with herpes you're and also isolated isolated from, family. from family friends anyone I know and it's just literally him and I in the house like so it was a terrible perfect storm yeah. <laughs> And then the hardest part with the, just to get back to the, the, the HSV, like him just like shutting it down and being like, what I was looking for, it wasn't like I wanted to like sob or cry or like vent. Like, cause like I told you in the beginning, like I didn't want him to feel guilty. Cause at, at that moment I was just like, like this sucks for me, but like, I can't even imagine what he's mentally going through right now because first time, like the first time <laughs> this happens, um, obviously with three months later figuring out what <laughs> out of curiosity did did your sex life with one another change was it like was there a sex life because i would imagine that even the first time having sex with someone getting herpes you might view sex a little bit differently especially it with was hard person. for me yeah like not and it wasn't because i wasn't like attracted to him or it just I was dealing with my own personal demons with my own body at that moment. And it's funny because, like, with him, obviously, he I knew he had herpes, but, like, I still wanted, once again, like, it did not bother me at all. But then all of a sudden when I had it, like, suddenly I was, like, nitpicking every part of my body. And it kind of, like, made me more um, insecure when it came to being a little bit more intimate. And I think what also did not help was his mindset was, like, and especially when I had a long outbreak, the first outbreak was the worst. I, besides that, pretty friggin' easy. But his opinion then was, especially like, it took a while for me to get over the first outbreak, but he kept pressuring to like, all right, get over it. Like, let's, now that we both have it, we can live be, happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, well, not even that, just like, we can have sex freely and not have to worry about this now anymore. And like, yeah, it might have been like, I don't know. It was just very messy. Well, I mean, that's what it, I, that's what I would assume too. Is that all right? We both have herpes. Great. We don't have to wear condoms anymore. We can have more spontaneous sex. We don't have to talk about or think about STIs. Yep. Right. So this is typically where people's heads can go at that point. Um, but it's not a bad thing. But like. I still needed time. Like, I was still in physical pain. Like, I was... Did you feel rushed or coerced into, like, sex when he wanted it? Yes. Or, okay. And it made me feel bad because it was always... 
Because once again, are we so worried about the other person? I'm just like, I'm not trying to like pretend like I'm still in pain or pretend like I'm still dealing with symptoms. Like it's not me trying to avoid sex with you because I don't want to have sex with you. It's just physically I'm in pain and mentally it's still a bit of a roller coaster. Not because of you, not at you, but it felt like no matter how many times I explained it, all he heard was just like, I don't want to have sex. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Again, back to the projections. Right? Yeah, and I'm just like, I'm still were, <laughs> in pain. You, you were like beat down in a way and primed for manipulation. And what I mean by that is the way that no, no response was right. So you were essentially like made small into figuring out because you're an empathetic person, right? So you're a prime candidate for abusive behavior and manipulation. You are hypersensitive and aware to what other people are feeling and thinking. For someone who may not even be aware of what they're feeling and thinking, it's really about what it is that they want in that moment. And you're responding to that. So now you're a yes person to whatever it is that they want even at the expense of what your needs are. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that you've had to navigate the relationship in that way of becoming hyper-tuned to what it is that he wants and now whatever it is that he asks for, you're, you're a yes. Yep. Um, what was the final straw? Like what, what made the relationship end? God. <laughs> so... The herpes was actually not the final straw, which is also a fun fact. Some people think it obviously has to be HSV. And I'm like, no, it definitely, that was not. If what it would have helped, though, is like going back to him being like very closed. Like, I felt like I was the only one in the relationship with herpes. Like, I felt like very alone. Or like if I was having an outbreak, like it was almost like hushed tones to be like, I'm like, we both have it. But yeah, I still have to be like, I can't. Like, it's, I have a situation down there, but I'm talking to someone else who also has the same thing as me. I could be like, yeah, I'm having an outbreak right now. I can't at the moment, but let's try some other things. Like I couldn't even have that conversation with him. And, or even like, I remember I did the research, like I got lysine, I got the, um, for, um, safe slut. Her products are awesome. Or the, yeah. Or the lemon bomb. Love you girl. <laughs> the, all those products. And I remember I was trying to like, not like push it on, be like, hey, because he used to like, he would like oddly tell me when he was having an odd break, but outbreak, but I was just like, I had these things, like, feel free to use them. Like, this helps, like, if you're feeling any, like, uh, what's the word? The proto? Proto. Yes, symptoms. And then, like, but if you have a blister, this stuff really has been helpful. And he would just look at me like I was, like, had three heads. And I was just like, once again, like, we both, what? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to, like, casually talk about this over dinner <laughs> like, like even though you probably should be able to but yeah. I'm like but like just having that support or like um you mentioned a couple when the guy was just like no if if I get herpes we have herpes like it's like a team thing where I felt like I was on my own even though we were on the same team it was very very hard yeah but I think the the final breaking straw was the manipulation when it comes to nothing I said was good. And then I ended up crying a lot, <laughs> which then he would use that against me as well. And then the conversation turned into, you're always so emotional, like, and <laughs> like being too emotional. And there was some 
other aspects of it when he compared me to, I don't know, can you edit? I can edit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. I mean, I'd rather not. I know you'd rather not, but I don't know if this goes in line with it. Um, Don't say names. No, I'm not saying names. (laughs) It gets a little bit more into um, racial. We only got like eight minutes left. Okay, that's fine. So, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I knew he was black. The way he told the story, I knew this dude was black the whole time. (laughs) This is such a very pointed, like, it definitely gives away. But, like, so... I remember the breaking point. My sister was actually... Oh, God, there's so many cheat dolls. I feel like I'm getting... But um, the main point was he was picking a fight of... And it's always like like I mentioned before, like if I say yes, if I say no, if I don't give an answer right away, he gets like very up in my face and like very luxury. And like... And it get me emotional, not in the sense because I'm like trying to win the argument, but just the sense of like, I just wanted it to work so bad and I wanted the relationship to work, I would get so overwhelmed. Passionate. Yeah, like, I wasn't mad at him. Like, I wasn't crying So I'm like, I hate you. It was more like crying, just like, fuck, I would just want to make it work. Yeah. Um, and I remember the, the, the this is started the ticking bomb, where he just looked at me and, like, he's like, God, he always used to, like, get so emotional. And he's like, black women don't get this emotional. And he's like, it's just you, white girl. I was just like, and I remember when he said that, I just stared at him. I was just like, did you? Like, I was, like, dumbstruck. Like, I was just, like... And, like, like I have female friends. Like, I can't say all the details because I feel like that will give away who I am. Or <laughs> And I remember I brought that up. And he, my one friend that I've told you about, she was just, like, yeah, we wouldn't be emotional. He would just be dead. I was just, like, oh, okay. So that's yeah. the community that you're speaking about. But then that brought up some more issues. I was just, like, why can't black women be emotional? Like... Why are they ex- expected to be unemotional, like, to handle stuff? Like, why Why is it that the expectation? And why are you comparing me <laughs> to... Well, here's the thing about people and abusers in general, is that people are only going to do what they are allowed to get away with. So... I can't argue it. wouldn't <laughs> be able to have gotten away with that with a particular type of person. And so he chose a particular type of person that he thought he could get away with doing those things, which he did for a period of time. But after this conversation, what happened that led to the end of the relationship? Well, you just would never say sorry, especially with that, because all of a sudden I'm like, how are we like I was thinking about marriage and kids, all the things. And I was just like, how are we? And this is not the first time he pulled like racial comparisons with it. Which is fine. Like, I know there's differences. Like, and that's why when, if we did have kids, we would have to work together to figure out how that would, what it would look like and how can we protect our kids, but make them aware of what's going on in the world. But after that, like, I, and this led up and like, I brought it up to him. Like, I gave the comparison. I'm like, how would you feel if I said, well, a white guy wouldn't act like this? And he just ignored it. Like, he completely just ignored it. He didn't apologize for it. And I was just like, so going forward in this relationship, I'm always wrong. And I'm too emotional. And you're going to compare me to a different race every time something goes off? Like, I'm like, how is this going to work? And, yeah, it was just the manipulation over and over again. And there was another situation where... I don't know if I can give the details without we, giving away. We need a Cliff Notes version because we only got... I know. 
<laughs> I feel like sorry. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just wanted to know, like, how'd you it get came out? To a situ- so that's that's what we. Were, I ended up packing my bags. Literally, I, I was a Hallmark movie. Like the, like I packed my bags and garbage trash things, and literally just luckily I had my car with me, filled it in, grabbed my dog, and I had to literally say like we need to take a break and pitch it as that. Like I couldn't even say like I'm done, because it was too hard to get out of the house and out of that situation. So I just said I needed a break, which that was even hard for him to like (laughs) comprehend or deal with. Like it took every fiber to get out of that house. (laughs) So you had to sneak out. I didn't sneak out. Like he saw me out, (laughs) but like it was, it was a rough couple days leading up to it where like, it wasn't as simple as just like, all right, you know what? You're right. Like we need some time and stuff. Like it was guilt trip like one after another and then the whole entire thing like oh you're just gonna give up just like that (laughs) and it's just like i we have so many things and so many issues and then i think another reason i stayed so long besides the manipulation it was the herpes diagnosis and then all of a sudden my trust has been like diminished to nothing because here's a guy who granted like you said he might have just said it to hurt me but here's a guy who disclosed and i was fully on board and he's like, I'm gonna give it to her on the first go. <laughs> so then it comes to like, what? What am I gonna do when I go back out there? Yeah. So it's almost like you were supposed to have just complied. Like, all right, this is my life now. Cool. Yeah. All right. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> no, no. This, this is this was good. Um, we didn't get to cover the athlete stuff, but that'll be in part two of this episode so part one here is gonna just be called the illusion of choice um (laughs) because this is i mean it came back full circle that's what we started with Mm -hmm. that's what we ended with so um yeah i hope that people are able to take this episode and like you know identify you know the importance of emotional availability in a partner and how important that is over the the herpes piece right because if you recognize he was emotionally unavailable and you saw that he was going to be the way that he was then it wouldn't have had anything to do with herpes and you would have been like nope not dealing with you as a person period don't matter about the diagnosis right so that said um we will conclude this conversation in the part two episode um and i'll get that up as soon as possible. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, something positive for positive people, again, can be found on social media at H on my chest. The website's www.spfpp.org. If you'd like to make a donation to the nonprofit uh, supporting our advocacy efforts, I'm still paying for people to get therapy. Not everybody, the people who, primarily people of color, we ain't got a whole lot of money in the account. But, um, uh, LGBT people of color are at the top of the list right now as far as being able to pay for therapy. Another thing that we're doing, um, oh, I got funding. I didn't get to tell y'all that. And this is my first like recording back. Like it's it's May. Um, this is my first recording in a while because uh, I had a lot of recordings over the uh, past several months that were done and like February and March. Yeah. So I'm really stoked about that because what I'm going to do with that funding is this initiative to 
uplift, support, and highlight queer-friendly, sex-positive, anti-stigmatizing, identity-affirming healthcare providers who offer sexual health-related services. And the ones who aren't doing it well offer a training in a way that uh, has a facilitator and maybe I'm able to pay some sex educators to allow for healthcare practitioners who've been in the field for a while and maybe rusty in their sex education to perform sexual health histories and screenings on sex educators so that they can get feedback uh, real time and hopefully be able to use this in their practice. Um, so yeah, um, if you want to support those efforts too, always looking for more money, but I got about $10,000 coming in soon. As soon as these contracts go through and the secretary of state stuff gets my stuff together. But, um, yeah, I'll see y'all over in episode, this episode part two and, uh, till next time, stay sex positive.